0: Amen. Amen. Good morning. Morning to the ushers and the practice crew here today and morning to all those that are at home. I was just thinking, um, it's a very exciting day. We have exciting times. The pumpkin patch is coming and it's set up. Um, we have today's soft opening and next week, I'll talk a bit more about that in just a second. But I was thinking if you would have told me a year ago that i'd be at rockbridge and that i was going to be thrilled to have a high of 30 people in the sanctuary i would have thought things aren't going well but i am thrilled that we are here today as i said we are um, going through a soft opening i think i told you last week told you all online and that we would do it on the 27th but just so we're comfortable, just so we've worked out all the kinks, we're gonna push that back to October 4th. And another reason also is that um, that week's already a big day with a, a Saturday and the unloading the pumpkin. So I want you all to put that on your calendar, be ready to come and help when the pumpkins get here. Um, and I just wanna say a few words about us reopening. Um, we are, like I said, we have, Uh, Your board, your reopening committee, staff, several people have gone to great lengths over the last four weeks, several conversations, several walkthroughs, and we have today as an official walkthrough and next week. And so they have, your, your leadership and just a lot of people have been as thorough as they possibly can in doing this. But with saying that, I feel very comfortable with the safety plan we've put forth, but I also want to say... Um, we want people, if you're comfortable, we have everybody on the spectrum, um, from those that are very, very cautious in this um, season, maybe because they need to be underlining conditions or, or whatever, and then we have those that are uh, have a very high comfortability level uh, with being out and going. So uh, we are not going to change anything as far as our YouTube, or streaming, and we want you to be comfortable. Um, We don't want you to come back until you're comfortable. Um, Because we want uh, your spirit to be, it's about uh, health, um, physical health, but also mental and emotional. I mean, if we're honest, that has taken a toll on a lot of people over these last seven, eight, are we in nine months now? I I don't even remember. Um, But, we, so we don't want to add to that either. So don't come. Uh, we're not going to change anything. Don't come until you're comfortable. I was thinking about a, a metaphor this week that in the discovery age, it was 1500s, 1700s, when Europe was going out and in, in exploring and finding, uh, going into new territory, they would send these explorers who felt comfortable and desired to go be the first one in new territory. And then when they got settled and things set up and everyone was comfortable, then people... Started coming, And that's kind of what we're doing. We're in a time of new territory. We're entering into new territory. And so as you feel comfortable, um, as we go on and we get things settled and uh, those do go through dry runs, then we'll add people come as you feel. All right? How's that? That's good? All right. Well, I want to say another thing. I'm not going to have time for my sermon. I keep talking. <laughs> I'm glad no one said amen um we want to celebrate with Chris Reyes today from four to six they are having his ordination so congratulations if you're watching Chris and we'll, there is a, a link on Facebook I think that you can go and you can watch that but uh, Chris know we're there in prayers and in spirit and congratulations And also, I believe Trevor from Good News is also being ordained in that service, so congratulations to Trevor also. Um, I think I've hit all my announcements, so let's get to our scripture, which is out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. Listen for the word of the Lord. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. He causes causes the sun to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you have, I will say, it's a little dark in here with people here, so I'm gonna have to get a reading (laughs) light because I have old eyes. All right. All right, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd guide the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, that those that are listening at home and those that are gathered here uh, by your Spirit would receive the message that you have for us here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we go through this sermon about, or this series about, the inequity of grace maybe no verse shows that more than this uh, are the extremes of grace because this scripture is not equitable not in our world right it doesn't make any sense in our world it's not justice Definitely not justice. If someone in this world, if someone hits you, hit them back. If someone does something to you, they need to be punished. There needs to be retribution. There needs to be maybe even revenge. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But love my enemies. Pray for those that persecute me. That is an outrageous statement. That seems way beyond my means. And it's definitely not, as we talked about last week, it's definitely not just, it's not justice. You might be thinking that to yourself, and you're right, it's not justice. It's grace. Grace in its extreme, wonderful, amazing form. It's grace lived out It is this kind of grace that has lived lived out in our world today that we need so desperately. In fact, in a sermon by Martin Luther King Jr. on this same passage, he takes it a, a, a next level up. He says, This demand of Jesus is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. And to understand this fully, we need to understand first that what we are battling this struggle we are in in this world it's it's a spiritual struggle we're we're not struggling or battling against people although you watch the news it looks like it you look at wars you look at the surface uh it looks like it is against people but it's the struggle this battle is really not against people it is a spiritual battle It, at a deeper level, it is a spiritual struggle. Ephesians chapter 6 says, For the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So this is a spiritual battle. We need to understand that this is what the struggle is. It's at a deeper level. On the surface, The people that we face are enemies. We have to understand they're just like us. Well, I mean, maybe not on the surface. Maybe there's some deep disagreements with the things of this world. But deep down in their heart, in their soul, they are just like us. They are fallible human beings. They have shortcomings. They make mistakes they they have sin and it is these spiritual forces that combine with us sinful fallible people imperfect as we are and you throw in that we are in a fallen world so we have uh, sinful selfish fallible people in a fallen world and these spiritual forces come in and they work in the diabolical ways to Tempt the weakest parts of us. And we have to understand that component. The the fallen world, fallible humans, that's a bad combination that is easily tempted. That it is easily uh, manipulated into getting us to react. Coming out of the weakest part of who we are. And it's through this combination, it is through this dynamic that we create enemies. It is because when we react out of the weakest part of ourselves, we enter into anger and greed and envy, covetousness, jealousy, division, and hate. And it is these things, also known as sin, that create enemies. Now this is important. It is out of these things, and out of these systems of the world, that are flawed, that enemies are created. So what Jesus is telling us in this scripture, He is calling us to break this process of production of enemies. It is a system. And the only way you can destroy this production of enemies that comes out of our sin, that comes from hang, anger, greed, and hate. The only way to destroy this hate and this process of producing enemies is with love in the form of grace. See, hate can't defeat hate. If hate defeats hate, hate won. Either way. But our battle is spiritual. Spiritual. The only way you can destroy hate is with love. Hate cannot destroy hate. Darkness cannot uh, overcome light. Only light or darkness cannot overcome darkness. Only light can overcome darkness. Showing love to our enemies who surely don't deserve it is the highest form of grace, the purest form of grace. And when we do that, then we destroy our, our enemies, not our enemies the person, but the concept of enemy. Many of you have probably heard the story of Abraham Lincoln and his war secretary towards the end of his life, a gentleman by the name of Stanton. And he was saying awful things there the political climate was very high, uh, the tension was very high, and he was just—it uh, was just a very divisive time. And he was saying awful things about President Lincoln. And when President Lincoln ultimately it came time for him to appoint a war secretary, and he appointed Stanton. And only a few months later, he was assassinated. And some of the nicest words ever spoke, and I believe there's some in the Capitol, about Abraham Lincoln was about Stanton. And when he was asked about this before his death and before all of this transpired, while it was in the midst of going on, right after he he announced um, Stanton to be the war secretary, He he was asked by a woman, why would you do that? And he said, if I make my my enemy my friend, have I not destroyed my enemies? That's what we're talking about. Destroying the concept of our enemies, the the things that produce the climate that creates enemies. But here's the deal on the struggle, this struggle, this spiritual battle, there's, there's, there's three points I want to make about this. And first, we cannot do this and, and face this spiritual struggle of hate in our current condition. Well, not our current condition, but in the natural person. You know why? Because Jim McClurg cannot love his enemies. Jim McClurg's kind of petty, and he wants revenge, he wants justice, nobody's going to take it. Jim McClurg can't do what Jesus calls me to do. I can't do it in my present state. So there has to be some form or fashion that we are transformed, that we no longer have to do it by ourselves. See, we can't really give God's forgiveness. We can't be reconciled to one another until we're first reconciled to God. That's where the hope comes from. We we can't give forgiveness unless we have been forgiven. We can't pour out grace of this, especially of this magnitude of loving our enemies and praying for those that persecute us. We can't pour out grace unless we have received God's grace. We have to receive God's grace. And once we receive God's grace, then we can begin to pour it out. Because Jim McClurg's grace isn't going to do anybody any good. So we first must change our condition from that of a natural person. Paul calls it the flesh into the spiritual person. We have to start with ourselves. We first must be reconciled to God before we can be reconciled to one another. There's an old saying that says, somebody found God and they go, I'm going to change the world. And he started to think, he goes, well the world's an awful big place. I'm going to start with my nation. Well, the nation's still pretty big. Well, I'm going to start with my state. Well, that's got to, especially Texas, it's a big state. I'm going to start with my county. No, that's too big. I'm going to start with my city. No, that's too big. I'm going to start with my neighborhood. Come to think of it, I'm going to start with myself. In the same way, we can't begin to love our enemies unless we are first reconciled, unless we are redeemed. So we can't do this in our spirit, in our natural state. We must be transformed. And uh, along the same line, we can't do this on our own power. Scripture is very clear about this. We can do nothing that is spiritual when we are in the flesh. We can't. We can't know the mind of God. We can't love with the heart of God. We, scripture tells us we don't even know what to pray. Romans says you don't even know what to pray without the Spirit. But we definitely cannot. Scripture tells us please God know the mind of God. We we have to live according to the Spirit, and to have the Spirit, I mean, live according to the Spirit, we must have the Spirit. John, uh, Jesus teaches John in chapter 3, or Nicodemus, in the Gospel of John, he teaches, we must be firstborn of the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, it says, Those living according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those that live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And then... In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it tells us we can't know the things of God without the very Spirit of God. Let me read it here. Beginning uh, verse 10, chapter 2, 1 Corinthians. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the person's thought except the own Spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the very Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not the words taught to us by human wisdom, but words that are taught in the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. A person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Have I, I don't know of a more foolish verse, at least sounding to the world, than our text today. To the world, it makes no sense to love your enemies. That is not how you win. That is not how you get victory. But when you have the very Spirit of God, and you're being taught by the very Word of the Spirit, you understand that this is a spiritual battle. You begin, your mind and your heart begins to open up, and you realize the only way to win this is with love and grace. Violence against violence, violence wins. And so we don't even know the mind of God, and we certainly can't love with the heart of God, as I already shared with you, I can't do that. Not on my own. But with the very Spirit of God, my heart is being transformed and changed. I remember when I was working a prison ministry. You know, before cried, you know, prisoners get what they deserve. They're in there. You know, I couldn't see beyond what they did. Or maybe their sin or maybe their judgment. But I was working at Kairos. And boy, it was just a, doesn't might not sound like much, but it was a Holy Spirit moment. I was sitting across from a guy that was doing life for murder. He did it when he had been in there for a long time. He did it when he was a young kid. Made a mistake. He didn't argue his sentence. He understood. He had become a Christian. But we were sitting with him and several other guys. And one of the things that they love is they get homemade food from people that don't even know him. And to see them, the, these, these, the, these prisoners in this one particular, their eyes light up at food and these homemade cookies. I mean, I looked at him, and in that moment, I seriously saw this little kid in his eyes. I saw beneath all that he had done, didn't make excuses. You don't talk about it. It has nothing to do with judgment in this world. But I realized I saw him with the eyes of Christ in that moment, not with the eyes of the world. Beneath all his junk, beneath all his crime, beneath all his mistakes, in that moment, I felt I saw with the eyes of Christ. Christ looks at all of us and beneath our junk, beneath our mistakes, beneath our humanness, God looks through it all, all through that month, and he sees his child he sees his child i remember once when my son jake who was here last week um, he's real tall so and manly looking so it's not as cute of a story anymore but when he was like 4 he had these big brown eyes and and this this uh, brown hair he's a really cute little 4 year old and him and his brother got muddy and and they and they were, got into the house and they got all muddy and I was barking at them. And my older son knew that voice and so he scooted by quickly. But Jake, he was four, he didn't know, but he knew he was in trouble. And he had mud all over his face. And he's walking by me slowly and he's looking at me and his big brown eyes started to well up with tears. And in that moment, I, I was, bar- I was, get inside, and you're gonna clean this up, and he looked at me, and in that moment, you know, I, I, I looked through all of his mud and all of his filth, and I saw my child who was scared and crying, and that's what God does for us. We build up all kinds of stuff in our lives. We make mistakes, we have sin, We have attitudes, you name it, but God looks through it all and sees his child. I can't do that on my own ability. I need the very spirit of God if I'm going to love like God. It is God's spirit that enabled me to see through the lenses of Christ at somebody else. I can't do that on my own. And finally, if we're going to fight this battle, we have to understand a principle of victory in Jesus. That old song, victory in Jesus. I'm going to have to tell my wife I sung in church today. <laughs> this, understand how we get victory. This is a, a dynamic of a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle. We get victory through surrender. Think about it. We get victory through surrender. How do we find our salvation? By surrendering our wills to God's will. How do we find eternal life? How are we redeemed? How are we sanctified? We have to surrender our will in order to experience the victory we have in Jesus Christ. And it's no different in this aspect of the, bo- uh, of the battle. We have to surrender. Now, I don't mean physically I don't mean be a doormat, but when someone hurts you, when someone is angry at you, when somebody goes down that list that I read and there's division, there's malice, there's jealousy, there's, and as a result, they hurt you, we have to surrender our need for revenge. We have to surrender our need to be right, as intoxicating as that is. We have to surrender the feelings of anger and hate because it's only then that we will have victory. It is only then that grace will begin to overtake hate, that love will cover a multitude of sins, and we will begin to see light instead of darkness. We must surrender in order to get this victory. Surrender our will, our hurt, our pain. And there is where we find victory. And and Jesus, remember, Jesus is not a um, do as I say guy. He's a do as I do guy. He leads by example. Remember, as we come into communion, remember Jesus on the cross when he was given his life for our life. When he was surrendering himself, even though he didn't have to, he was surrendering himself to the mob, to the religious leaders, to the cross. And he was there and he was on the cross In pain and suffering after being tortured, he was there and he was looking down upon, I would call them enemies, the ones that put him there. He's looking down at them in the midst of his pain and suffering, and he says, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He shows them grace and mercy and forgiveness. and he calls us to do the same. But we can't do it in the natural state. We can't do it on our own power. But with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit transforming, empowering, leading, and guiding, and our willingness to surrender our will, our hate, our hurt, we can overcome anything And in honor of Chris, remember, quote, as I watched his sermon one time, I know things look hard, tough right now, right? It looks like this is a tall order. I don't care how much love, grace, in our deeply divided country, in our deeply divided world. Remember what Chris said when he spoke last time, several months ago. He said, in the end... With God, it's going to be good. We're going to have, I'm adding something, we're going to have victory. And if it's not good, and it's not total victory, it's not the end. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I pray that um, as we come to your table, we are reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ giving himself completely, surrendering himself to the cross so that we might have life. And not that we might be blessed by ourselves, but not that we might receive grace alone, but that we might be his people, sharing his grace, mercy, and forgiveness in the world, that we might be a people of love, that we might overcome hate. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.